Hi, I'm Kimberly Gomes, and today you'll hear my story on San Francisco people. I'm Frank Garza, and welcome to San Francisco People. Before we get started with today's show, I have an announcement to make. I've launched a website for the podcast. It's www.sfpeoplepodcast.com. So you should check it out. From the front page, what you'll see is a post or show notes for every episode that we've done. And if you click on one of those, you'll see pictures of my guests. So you can start to put a face to the name. And you can read a summary of what we talked about on the episode. Um, As you know, I always ask my guests what neighborhood they live in and what some of their favorite spots are in their hood and throughout San Francisco. So there's a section that recaps that discussion. And then um, I also have a links section. You know, we we reference a lot of information during the podcast. Uh, We may talk about one of my guests' websites or other projects that they're working on. So if you go to that links section... um, Everything we referenced or talked about uh, will be included there, and you can click on it and find some more information about that. Today's guest is Kimberly Gomes. Kimberly is a freelance writer in San Francisco. So how did I meet Kimberly? Well, I was online one day uh, reading The Bold Italic, which is an online magazine uh, focused on San Francisco and the Bay Area. It's a great, great publication. If you haven't read it, you should go check it out. And I came across this article, and the title was A Guide to SF's Shittiest Streets. And I thought, hmm, this is interesting. So I clicked on it, and it's essentially a, an overview of which blocks in San Francisco literally have the most shit on them. Human feces, dog feces, yeah, you name it. Um, it has a lot of data um, to debate. To back it up and uh, it was a good light-hearted read but then also uh, does address a serious problem that San Francisco does have with some of its streets and uh, so Kimberly Gomes wrote that article and uh, so I started reading some more articles that Kimberly had written and uh, they were all great and so I invited her on the show today she graciously accepted and so she's here today to talk about you know what is it like to be a freelance writer you know and why did she want to do that and what's the path she's taken to get to this point. Um, we'll dive into some of my favorite articles that she's written, some of the ones that, uh, some of her favorites as well. Uh, she's done a lot of great work for the Bold Italic. She's written for the San Francisco Chronicle and a lot of other publications throughout the Bay Area. And she has a lot of creative writing as well, so we'll talk about that. She writes a lot of poems, short stories. She's working on her first novel, so I found that real interesting. Kimberly lives in San Bruno, so she's going to share some of her favorite spots from that area and San Mateo, and of course, San Francisco, where she spends most of her time. So let's go talk to Kimberly. Did you know you wanted to be a writer when you went to college right away? Uh, The first semester, I was kind of just like, I think I majored in... I could declare liberal arts, just was like, let's see what happens. And then after the first semester, I was like, well, what's something that I've always loved and I've always been good at? And I was always writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing poetry and keeping writing journals since I was like 10. And I wrote my first short story when I was like 10. So it was something that was always there and 
It's just kind of like, well, it makes sense. Let's just give it a go. <laughs> yeah. And then it worked out well. What was your first short story about when <laughs> you were was, 10? It was actually a, like a murder mystery. It oh, was, I think. Deep. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I vividly remember the book cover. I used to draw a lot. And uh, I, the main reason I think I wanted to write the book was so I could draw the book cover. And the words had like blood dripping from Wow. I know. It's kind of crazy. your parents love that. When you, when you <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure when what you show that to them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my first one. I don't know what it was really about, though, other than, you know, okay. mystery. So. And so then you started, you said interning for what, yeah. different magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of stories did you write in college? Uh, I, well, I first interned for Cher Media. So that was like, they do lifestyle publications. So OC Family. OC Metro and OC Menu. So I was doing a lot of roundups for restaurants and restaurant reviews, which was really cool. Um, so I would get to go to cafes and go to restaurants and pretend like, you know, I was dining and write up the experience, which was really cool. And then um, I wrote a few feature pieces for them, mainly revolved around kids for OC Family. So I did like a piece on vaccinations when the whole Jenny McCarthy autism debate was really huge. And then what else did I write for them? Alternative medicine and kind of working that into family. So a lot of health stuff. And then um, after that, I went to Peninsula Publishing, which was, they do more real estate. Um, So Home and Builder Magazine, Green Builder, and wrote features for like different property developments and kind of more painting a picture for what the community would be like, which is kind of similar to what I do now with real estate agents yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's what I noticed on your website. You have a ton of like real estate write-ups. I mean, so do you, when people list new properties, do you go in and write up mm-hmm. those for them? Yeah. And just make them sound stunning? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> so I do, uh, I just did one over on Saturday in Golden Gate Heights. So it's cool because I get to go to a lot of different places, you know, stretching from like La Mirinda, which have gorgeous houses over there and properties and some in San Francisco, down to like Woodside and Atherton. So I see a lot of beautiful properties and it's cool to walk through and you just kind of look at all the details and make it come to life on the page. And I get a lot of ideas for my ideal home (laughs) in the process. (laughs) So when you graduated from Cal State Fullerton, what'd you do after that? Uh, I was trying to figure out where I wanted to live for a bit. So first I slept on my brother's couch for a while (laughs) and I canvassed. Uh, I was really into human rights in college. So I published a couple creative zines related to human rights stuff. So I started canvassing for this place called uh, Grassroots Campaign, GCI, I think. Um, And I was canvassing for Planned Parenthood and some other different, more like left-wing kind of organizations, um, which was very interesting because I was in Orange County. Mm Mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Very conservative. Very much so. So it was not a fun experience. I only did that for like a month. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, this is really, it takes an emotional toll on you when you're getting a lot of backlash in your face. So, so any, any stories you can share oh, about yeah. like controversial <laughs> moments with that? Yeah. I mean, I remember one time, a couple of times, one time I was in Seal Beach, which is pretty conservative, um, at a Trader Joe's and some a man came up to me and was like literally screaming in my face about because I, I was wearing a Planned Parenthood t-shirt and obviously it's very controversial for some people and you were um, handing were you like handing out materials there or you just happened to be in the store wearing this shirt oh no we so we would stand outside of grocery stores okay. and ask for donations so it was okay. like you're 
trying to sign up people for like monthly donations if possible or one time and we would give you know a whole speech of where the funds are going to and what's going on in the political climate of women's health and stuff like that so um that was one time where some he was very aggressive another one that i mean i now i kind of look back and and think it's a little entertaining but it was in some part of la i forget what what grocery store we were at and a woman came in really quietly and didn't say much to us and on the way out she stopped and gave us this whole lecture and pulled out like a finger-sized plastic fetus like she carry like she carries it in her purse i guess oh my god <laughs> which was wow like yeah that was a whoa one and um she was just waiting for a moment was, like this she's huh? like waiting for people like us to be sitting outside so it was really interesting um was I realized, you know, this is not what I want to do long term. Yeah. So I moved back home. And then shortly after a few months, I started working for the Chronicle um, in sales. Actually, that's how I got my in. Okay. Selling ads? I was selling digital multimedia packages. So we were like SEO kind of get your website on the front page of Google kind of thing. Okay. So. And what'd you think about uh, going back to Southern California? What'd you think about there versus here? I mean, I've always loved Northern California so much more. Um, I met a lot of good people down there that are some of my closest friends. And, you know, they have the weather's beautiful and they have great beaches. But I think in general, I've always been so much more of like a hike in the woods. I like the people up here, you know, the down to earth approach and the diversity is huge up here. And Mm -hmm. um, the open mindedness. I mean, and I think home, being from here, my, my heart's always partial to san francisco bay area so it was kind of a no-brainer when i was done it's like we're going back i was but when i left for college it was just like you're young you want to get as far away from your house as you can but still be able to drive home if you need to (laughs) kind of thing was my approach so yeah okay so you're working for the chronicle now doing sales yeah and what about your writing are you still writing or is that on hold temporarily it was it was a bit on hold i was I was doing writing, but it was more of like, wasn't planning on publishing anywhere. It was just creative nonfiction is what I was doing at the time and a lot of poetry, um, just to kind of keep myself sane because sales was interesting path as well. <laughs> there was yeah. a couple of years where I was just trying to figure out, you know, where, where am I going with this um, whole career thing? But yeah, and then I started, I found a publication that needed contributors and it was more of a volunteer thing. You weren't getting paid, but um, that was askmissay.com. And then, so I started writing for them for about a year or so. And that was my way of kind of building the clips again. And cause there was about a year where I wasn't getting published. And as a writer, that's always like, okay, you got to keep the flow going. You have to be right. getting published somewhere all the time. So what was ask miss a about that was, they're like a philanthropy meets society kind of publication. So it's a woman's audience. I would write pieces on, um, philanthropic organizations throughout the city or events festivals I was kind of like the arts culture philanthropy writer for San Francisco which was cool so I got to go to you know like cover a lot of different events and write up write-ups on hate street festival or different arts things and then um yeah there's like organizations that are doing pretty good things like city team on sixth street did a write-up for them and um, so it was a good way to get involved with the community and get connected with people in the city who are doing some pretty cool things and get some clips out. Yeah. yeah. And so you describe yourself as a freelance writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean <laughs> and how does that work? Uh, that means that I write, I pretty much work for myself. 
Um, but I have a variety of different writing clients, I guess you could say, or people I write for, publications I write for. So, um, yeah, in terms of what that looks like, it's pretty much work from home, which is nice. Um, but I write for half my work is from editorial publications. So Bold Italic, Petrero View, um, a newer magazine that's coming out in December called Lila Magazine that I did a couple for them recently. Um, Positive News, which is more of a quarterly magazine. And then the other half is more marketing related writing. So that's where a lot of the real estate clientele come in. I write for a real estate magazine for called Homefolio Magazine. So they do, I do a lot of profiles for them and architectural digest write-ups. And then my other pool of clients is just more um, people I've kind of found on my own, different realtors in the peninsula. And I write property descriptions for them or marketing material. Um, just, yeah, anything with words, pretty much, I, I write. Yeah. <laughs> so video scripts, um, website content, yep. So how do you find these clients? Is this, are you out there? networking or people approaching you asking you to do stuff for them uh it's a mix of like two of my ongoing gigs which have been gone going for about eight, a year or so I found through Craigslist you know so ads um but the rest of it is pretty much editorial stuff is pretty much me always pitching my ideas so for Bold Italic it's you know I pitch five ideas at a time you know uh Maybe a couple are liked every few pitches, but it's just constantly generating ideas, pitching them. If something sticks, you get to write about it. Um, so that's the editorial section, and the marketing clients are more of me, you know, cold emailing, cold calling, uh, which is interesting because as a writer, you don't really think about. I'm starting to think about it. It's more of a business. I have mm -hmm. to look at it. This is a business, so I need to be marketing and I need to be finding new clients all the time. Where instead of just like in my writer's world, which is very easy to stay in. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. And then, so when do you get paid? Is it when you, they accept a final article from you or is it an idea? It's when, oh, it's when I get, they accept it and it's a for sure has a run date. Okay. Um, at least for the magazines and the online publications. But that's when I send in an invoice, you know, and then I get paid three to four weeks later. So Okay. Pay schedule is very interesting in the freelance world, yeah, yeah. which a lot of other freelancers can probably attest to. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Is uh, is the bold italic? Is that your biggest um, client right now? Would you would you say or? Um, yeah, in terms of I guess the editorial section, the one that I like writing for the most because they're one of the few places I've written for ever that really encourages your voice they love hearing your opinion they love hearing your voice and it's just a really cool san francisco edgy publication um so i really like writing for them and i'm happy to be able to that was something that i was kind of trying to manifest for a bit you know i look at what publications i want to write for and then i just study them for you know a month or so and try and get it until you get a feel for exactly what they publish and more of a chance of getting in there you know yeah, how did you get in the door with them? Um, pretty much it was, I decided that I wanted to write for them. And so I started, I was already reading their publication, but it was more like every day, okay, you read at least three or four, really study like what they like, get a feel for who they are. And then um, coincidentally, my friend had emailed me a post that said they were looking for freelance writers. So I pitched 
five, they wanted you to pitch like five ideas and then send in some information about yourself. So I pitched five and the one that they liked was the SF shittiest streets piece, <laughs> <laughs> which was a total wild card that I just threw in because I was like well this is kind of funny and it's kind of interesting and you know it's it's a, a topic a lot of San Franciscans can relate to yeah, <laughs> yeah so I didn't think that they'd pick it and that was the only one that they wanted so. yeah so yeah let's talk about poop I <laughs> that's actually how I found you was reading that article really? um, that, I'd say that's probably my you know that's that's my personal favorite of uh, your articles that, I, that I've read um, so can you talk about what that article is about and, yeah. uh, how you got the idea for it? Um, it's pretty much a, a guide or I guess of San Francisco's shittiest streets, but referencing more human feces for the most part. Um, I got the idea because, I mean, there's been just so many times where I've come across human feces or people going to the bathroom on the streets and especially cause I worked in the, at the Chronicle it's, you know, right by 6th Street, and there's uh-huh. quite a few alleys and uh, a lot of poop around yeah. that area. So <laughs> there was about three different times I can vividly remember where I would walk up to the back doors of the building and there would be poo right there. Uh-huh. One time it was actually, it was, and I wrote this in the story, where it was like smeared on the door. And I was, yeah. So, and I was thinking of things that were like, what are store, what's an idea that everyone can relate to? I can have, it's lighthearted, you know, I kind of wanted to do something a little lighthearted, but it's also informational and sheds light on an issue of the city that we probably could use some more outdoor bathrooms, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that's how it kind of evolved. And then, um, the city actually has a ton of records, um, very detailed records of, from, they do the, the high product, the, the water pressure hosing. So yeah. that's how they kind of catalog, um, you know, how, what streets get the most orders and that's kind of which ones usually have the most urine or feces. Um, yeah, that surprised me when I read your article. I thought it was just going to be like a diatribe of like, your opinion, but there's, you have data. Yeah. I mean, you, there's, there's so much data out data. there. <laughs> how did you even know that that existed? Uh, well, the editor over there, when I pitched the story, she said she wanted it to be, you know, a mix. I told her what I was thinking, and then she said she wanted to have like a good amount of data in there as well. So she said, talk to someone from the city. Um, so I talked to Rachel Gordon, who was super helpful um, over at the Public Works Department. And yeah, they have this whole database. I've, because, and also the Chronicle has written about this for years. So okay. I was reading a lot of their pieces and kind of seeing where they got their information from and 311. It's called 311, which is like a main database for all these records, I guess, orders throughout mm-hmm. the city. And yeah, there's a lot of information about poop. <laughs> you know, they're really on top of it. They're trying to be on top of it, you know, because yeah. they know it's it's an issue. And um, I talked to a couple people that are on the streets, you know, for the public works, and they really emphasized of they're, they're doing a lot, you know, and they're trying to improve the conditions, especially in you know areas like Tenderloin, which has a huge influx. Um, in, in comparison to other areas of the city and um in july they put up the i think it's called the tenderloin pit stop program or so it's like temporary bathrooms that they put on hotspot corners so definitely doing doing their you know yeah. their part so what are sh- uh, san francisco's shittiest streets uh the areas that i had pinpointed were like i believe it was around like bush and 
Kirk. I kind of probably, to be honest, I probably have to yeah, look at okay. the article. <laughs> um, but there's that's definitely a hot spot over there. I had my personal experience. Ones that I highlighted was like Cap Street and Minna and Six around there. The data also showed, I believe it was like 12th Street, like right under the overpass. I think it's like the 101 overpass. Um, there was one in Bayshore, I believe like from Mendel to, I, I'm not even totally sure on that one, but what else? Mm, yeah, those are a few I can remember off the top of my okay. head. But the main area, I couldn't just put all that they were all in the Tenderloin, which is, I mean, if we're looking at like... In, like the amount of poop that's actually on a street, the most of them are in the neighborhood. Line. Yeah, but we were trying to spread it out and kind of make it a little more yeah relatable for everyone okay. in the city. Well, that's funny. You uh, you had five ideas to pitch. You're probably pitching like uh, <laughs> you know, like Uber versus taxi, you know, Airbnb, and then you're like, well, how about one about poop? And they're like, yeah, I want that one. <laughs> yeah. I want I want to pick that one. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Right about some poop. <laughs> what uh, what type of response did you... So was that your first article that got published with the Bold Italic? That was my second. The first one um, was actually just a story that they said it was kind of a last minute news thing they needed. So it wasn't my idea. It was more the Dolores Park construction. Just giving an update about that one. Okay. But that was my first. That was my idea that went up. Yeah. What type of reaction did you get when you put it out there? It was quite... I was a little surprised by the reaction. I actually decided after that article that I'm not going to read the comments anymore (laughs) to my articles. (laughs) Um, Some people thought it was funny, which is what... It was more trying to be a lighthearted, entertaining piece, but also informative. Some people were really upset about it, and I got quite a few people who, like, I believe called me, like, elitist and a lot of comments like that. Um... Yeah, I, so it was kind of, I mean, I was like, whoa, I didn't expect that reaction at all. But yeah, I guess, you know, there's I was surprised as well when I, I thought it was a very lighthearted, funny story. And then like at the bottom of the article, like the very first comment was somebody that was really pissed off. Yeah. I, they said, um, yeah, they were saying that they were mad because you were assuming that they, all of the poop was coming from the homeless people. Yeah. And they said... The three shittiest things in San Francisco were number one, this article, number two, it's writer, and number three, the bold italic. And I'm like, damn, that's I harsh. So, there was some of them really <laughs> harsh. I think someone said that they actually want to take a crap on me. And I was oh, like, whoa, wow. okay, well, people are getting upset. Yeah. So after that, I decided, you know, I, I've always heard like number one rule for writers is never read the comment section of your own article. Yeah. And since I'm, you know, still relatively new to the field, I'm still curious about like how people react. And at the Chronicle, I was mainly writing about gardening, so it wasn't very controversial. You know, mm-hmm. so I didn't get a whole lot of comments. But I was, so I was interested to see it. But after that, now I just, I don't let myself look. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I'll look at how many shares it gets on Facebook or something. But you know, other than that, I'm like, yeah, just don't don't do it, Kim. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about that. I mean, the the other one I thought was really funny was there was a guy in there that was bragging about an Instagram Instagram account he had that was all about poop in the street. Yeah, like I actually he's, he like walks around and takes pictures. Yeah, I came across that before he posted that. Um, he was that was part of like my research. It was actually kind of helpful. Yeah, because <laughs> but this, he was so proud of it. He was like, I gotta let everybody know this is like a perfect uh, avenue for me to let people know about my Instagram account. I yeah. mean, he was pumped up. That was Relevant, funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, I really liked it. I thought it was funny. Well, that's good. And I also liked your article about um, unfriending people on Facebook. 
it, it gets called Ion Phylogy because you're too conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about that article? Yeah, yeah, that piece, um, especially because I was pretty politically active through college, I felt like I've, and after the whole canvassing thing, I realized there was, I was trying to kind of fizzle down from my whole, um, I guess, heavy political involvement and just kind of mellow out and focus less on the angry things that I was upset with in the world and more the things I liked. So in the process of that, especially over the past year, I started realizing, well, not realizing until recently, but I was unfriending and unfollowing a lot of people who, if they said something that was like offensive or degrading or derogatory to women or a specific group of people, I would instantly unfollow them or unfriend them. And, um, and some of them were, you know, some people were obviously more on the conservative spectrum because I, I lean more towards the, the left generally. Um, and then I started noticing, you know, how often I was doing it. And it was just more of like me wanting to shape my feed to not be bothered by anything. I just was so, I just didn't want to deal with being kind of clashed. I just wanted to go to Facebook to like zonk out, be entertained, maybe watch some panda photo videos you know like some corgis dancing but you know things just to kind of entertain myself and then also some like positive inspirational quotes which are all over my feed um but then election time came around and i was looking for election stories and i realized i hadn't heard anything about the ballots and a lot of my news i mean i get i read the chronicle still and bully and you know some smaller publications but for the most part i usually just like scroll on my feed and I get a bunch of news there so I realized I wasn't hearing anything about local ballots and then um, I actually found a study from Pew Research they had posted up in I think it was July and it was pretty much a study that broke down everything that I had been thinking about you know how people generally the percentages of people unfriending folks from opposite partisanships and how most people feel that their feed reflects their political opinions. And I think it had mentioned that liberal people are more likely to defriend or unfriend or unfollow someone who doesn't have an opinion that they agree with. So there was a lot of data that was backing up exactly what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it'd be a really interesting personal essay. And the ultimate, I mean, the main goal would just that I was thinking and that I've tried to practice more is just, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just people, you know, and there's a lot of things that you can connect on regardless of politics. So Mm -hmm. now I've kind of welcomed the conservative posts and things and just kind of look at it more of gathering more of accurate perspective of the world, you know, a little more balanced. Don't have to agree with it, but you know, where does your, um, your activism. Uh, so it's not like you've done a lot of activism in your life and like had a desire to do that. Where does that come from? Um, I, it came from women's studies. I started studying women's studies when I was a sophomore in college. And Casa Florida has a really great women's studies program. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it and was became really passionate about it. Um, I published a couple you know, publications, human rights publications, and was really into writing a lot of poetry and spoken word about human rights issues. Um, And that kind of led me to the canvassing thing. And then after that, once I kind of went into the corporate world and 
settle down in a cubicle, which I never thought I'd do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it kind of fizzled down, and I, yeah, I just kind of disengaged from activism quite a bit. And then when I got into um, more like urban gardening and environmental studies, then I kind of redirected it to like conservation. And I've always been interested in, I mean, now I'm more interested in, I guess, like toxic toxicity levels and conservation and really into like, or, you know, the organic movement and being like food safety. That's where I've kind of shifted it to, um, you know, I'm definitely not as active as I once was, but it's more of just like being well-informed and yeah, I just care about those kind of things more now, I think. Yeah. And it's less confrontational you know <laughs> it's more about nature and it's easier <laughs> yeah well I really like that article and I think one of the reasons is because it uh, was very applicable to my life I'm I grew up in Missouri and uh, I lived in Louisiana for 10 years mm-hmm. and you know now I'm here mm-hmm. and uh, I'm definitely more liberal I'd say in my thinking than you know a lot of people I grew up with and mm-hmm. so I have tons of friends on Facebook you know, from like other parts of the country that are like ultra conservative. Mm-hmm. I bet, yeah. And uh, my newsfeed can be hilarious. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, I think back to when uh, I moved here right after Obama got elected. Mm. And people from here, I'd be scrolling through my newsfeed, there'd be Bay Area people that were just like so excited about the inauguration. And then like the next one down would be just one of my friends like hating Obama and. Yeah. Um, so I get that a lot. And um, I don't think I've ever defriended anybody. Because you know, <laughs> I'm like, I, you know, I refuse to defriend like a friend just because they put that on there. Yeah, yeah. But I've, thought, I've, I've definitely thought it's about fun. it, you know, and more because it's just like, I don't want to like, I don't want to read this yeah. you know, right now. And it's so easy with like more of a click, to, lack of a better word, like click activism phase. Yeah, where you can just click things and someone disappears or something appears, and, you know, mm-hmm. it's easy. But yeah, there's. I also really, I feel like I get so much of my news now, just like on Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. like seeing people comment and link articles. Yeah, and I think a lot of Americans, probably a lot of people in the world, actually are doing that. Yeah, that was I re- did some research on that for the piece, and I think it was something like one in three U.S. adults like yeah. get some portion of news from their social media feeds okay um any other do you have any like pieces you're working on now for the bowl um, for them no i've been pitching a few things and nothing's stuck right now but i'm working on trying to get some personal essays going so more of a pondering stage but for petrero view uh, i'm working on a couple pieces for them one about vaccination in vaccination standards, I guess, in Dogpatch and Potrero school districts. Um, I guess there was a report that recently came out saying that um, while there is vaccination standards for students, a lot of parents are opting out of them because you know, there's still the vaccination controversy is mm-hmm. still pretty prevalent. So I'll be doing a story on that. Um, that comes out in January, I believe. And then profiling a local business for them. It's down in the Dogpatch. And then um, I just wrapped up couple pieces for a new magazine it's called Lila magazine and one piece was called matriarchs of the mission and that was such a cool piece to work on it profiled um 
about five female-owned businesses in like the Valencia corridor of the mission and just kind of talk to them about their their road and their experience and any insight they have for female entrepreneurs because it's a female mm-hmm. audience magazine and uh, so that was cool and I wrote one on ice sculpting which was pretty random but interesting <laughs> oh yeah is that your idea uh no it was the editor it was, okay but I was I'm always down to you know research things that I know nothing about because yeah. you learn something new while you're writing it you also written some for the chronicle too right yeah what do you do what have you done for them um, I wrote for them for a couple years and I was doing mostly like an environmental urban gardening column. So I maintained their rooftop garden uh, at the time and it was an organic edible garden. So a lot of it was kind of a DIY how-to tips for people in the area, what grows well, different creative projects you can do. And then I wrote a small business column as well, but uh, mainly it was like environmental profiles and DIY articles for them. What's your favorite story that you've written? Uh, most recently, The Matriarchs of the Mission was the funnest to work on just because I got to talk to a lot of really inspiring women. And I wrote one probably within the past year for Positive News, and it was about um, Dr. Hawa Abdi over in Somalia. She's a woman who's nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, amazing woman who has two daughters, and they're all doctors. And in Somalia, it's customary, I guess, where someone knocks on your door and asks for you to take them in. It's kind of, I mean, that's what you do. You Mm -hmm. take people in. So they were going through a civil war for like 20, 30 years. And during that time, she took in 90,000 people. Um, I mean, she must have a pretty decent sized plot, I would imagine. But, and it turned into like a 400 bed hospital um, where she just, reproductive care for women and now she's doing now they're just doing all kinds of things i mean do teaching women how to make soap to increase you know hygienic standards and um, eventually i think she wanted to teach people more of like nursing kind of practices and yeah she created this whole village it was called hope village and really changed the community around there and helped people in that transitionary time so that was a really cool piece to write because i like writing pieces that send out good things in the world, you know, and I think news can sometimes be really heavy and mm-hmm. depressing. So I try to write pieces that are more of kind of send some light out there, which that one definitely did. And then another cool one was for the Chronicle. Um, I interviewed and did a profile on Deborah Coons Garcia. She's Jerry Garcia's wife or widow. And, um, she's a pretty successful environmentalist and documentarian, I guess you would that the word for it so that was cool I got to go to her house and play with her dogs and she's just a pretty cool lady as well and I've always been really interested in like 60s 70s culture so to talk with someone who is kind of hands-on going through that movement yeah. was pretty cool are people general like I guess are people usually um like she brought you into her house and like you said you play with her dogs when you approach people for interviews are they usually that welcoming no, that was more like, I mean, when you come from like an interview for the Chronicle, it usually it's a little easier, I guess, people welcome yeah. you in like that. Um, but for the most part, I mean, m- most of the time I don't really have to go to people's houses. It's more of their workplaces or, you know, if I'm doing an article in a school, walking through the school. So, but people are usually pretty nice. I mean, people like being written about and publicity. So everyone's, yeah, everyone's usually pretty nice. 
right? Which is nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about your creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do in that area? Um, these days, I've recently gotten back into it. Over the past, like, since I started freelancing, which was about 11 months ago, um, really dove back into it. So I'm working more on fiction pieces, some personal essays, um, but I'm in the middle of my first novel, which is exciting and interesting. It's a very interesting road, but it's very creatively gratifying. And then um, I've been doing involved in like multiple independent writing classes, fiction classes. So that's been helping me get a lot of material out. So I've written like three short stories in the last few months, and in the process of like sending those out to literary journals and just starting that process up again and getting involved in like the reading community and that's really where my my passion and my head's at these days and waking up and writing for a couple hours every morning on the novel or short story and then moving into you know the journalism stuff for yeah. work what's the novel about um I, it's still evolving okay <laughs> but it's a, a coming of age story of sorts of a woman the themes that i'm kind of working with is someone she's the she's battling this whole the ideas of like freedom and confinement in her life and how it manifests in different ways whether in her job or her relationship or the spaces she occupies and kind of through yeah i would just say it's a coming of age story of of a woman kind of breaking out of confining circumstances and into her own kind of personal truth is it is it uh inspired by your coming of age story or yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i'm trying to i'm trying to like not make it so non-fiction based because it is a novel and and yeah i just don't want it to get you know that personal but a lot of it there's like seeds of truth that are like seeds that spawn from my own experience and then i've kind of embellished on them and trying to get to know the character as someone that's separate from myself so which is interesting because i mean there are similar experiences i that i'm working with through my own path but um yeah getting to know her her name's hale and as her own character and things that she's afraid of and still trying to figure out a lot of that stuff out you know because when you're crafting a character um it's and you're really when you're working on it every day it's you're really trying to get to know them and like what's authentic for them to do next instead of just because I outlined like half the story at first and then I was like this isn't a lot of the stuff she wouldn't do you know as you get to know her and her relationships and how she reacts to things it's it takes on kind of a road of its own which is interesting right so yeah do you have any mentors there they help you through this process um I have I've been, the writing classes I do some writing classes at the writing salon did some with the grotto um and with rayward writers and so through there I've gotten a lot of good guidance and workshopping feedback so um I had a teacher named Carson over at wayward writers and she was really helpful and kind of guiding me or not necessarily guiding but keeping the inspiration flowing with a lot of different experimental writing prompts for the novel um but I don't have a mentor. I'm actually looking for one. <laughs> um, I've been in the process kind of like now that I've gotten back in the literary community, um, trying to find one that, you know, I like, I admire their style and their path that they've taken because I've always found that, you know, learning from someone that 
Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> be either an emergency or a drill happening behind us right now. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's normal for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not normally home at this time, so. <laughs> okay. But it is noon, so um, I'm sure it's a drill. Okay. Sorry. Continue yeah. on. You're looking for a mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So now that I'm back at the literary community, just trying to find someone who, yeah, where I admire their path and their work, and I think that I can learn from them, and then they're willing to take someone under their wing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So if um, if somebody listened to this interview and they wanted to go read one of your creative writing pieces, which is the one that mm. you would hope that they'd go read that you're most proud of? Um, it's actually not up on any website. Okay. <laughs> <yet>. <laughs> which maybe I should put it up somewhere. But it's a short story I recently wrote. Um, and I, the reason I like it is well, one, I usually like writing that I've wrote more recently because it reflects my current writing style and where I'm at. But it's a story of a girl or a woman, I guess, who she's in a relationship and she's pretty much moving into it. She's bought a house with her partner and looking, she's feeling like a sense of confinement. And so I use the two parallels of like, time and flashbacks I like doing flashbacks a lot in creative writing so in the present day she's pretty much goes a little mad and like starts using a sledgehammer against her sidewalk to break ground for like a garden because she's tired of lawns apparently (laughs) and and from that like as she keeps breaking ground I keep flashing back to parts of her past that show why she's feeling confined or what what she's working through underneath um, and kind of using the ground that she's unearthing as a metaphor for what she's internally unearthing. So, yeah, I liked that one. What's the name of that one? Breaking Ground. Um, and it'll be out soon. I'm going to, I'm just fine tuning it for, I'm applying to grad school, so I'm using that one as one of my, my manuscripts to send out. So it'll be up soon. But there's also a poem I wrote, I think back like January. Um, it's called Grandma Muse and that one's like super short, lighthearted, but I've always liked that poem just cause I think as writers, sometimes you sit down and you're staring at the blank screen and you're just like looking for what the heck am I going to write about? And that was a poem that I wrote that was pretty much looking for something to write about and nothing was coming. And I was like, come on, muse, like yeah. <laughs> need something here. And it's about calling on your muse and, but it's just kind of ironic because she's writing about where the narrator's saying that she has nothing left in her muse and her wells like all empty and but there's still a poem evolving mm-hmm. from it <laughs> so yeah yeah okay excellent and so you're going to grad school uh, applying you're hopefully applying. what are you gonna <laughs> what uh what, what type of field are you gonna, are you gonna um, go after mfa so master of fine arts okay. and in fiction the programs i'm looking at are interdisciplinary so you could i'd major in major for lack of a better word in fiction and then kind of dabble in creative nonfiction, poetry and interest in screenplays too mm-hmm. so uh, me and my friend are collaborating we're starting to collaborate on one right now so that'll be a good start on a documentary or a um, a screen well a screenplay for i've been i've worked on i did a draft for a kid's book earlier this year and I had this idea, I love the Presidio, and I was walking through the Presidio, and the trees just look so alive and like 
like I could see characters in them in yeah. so many different ways because there's so many different types of trees there. So I got this idea for um, a story pretty much personifying a bunch of trees and with diverse you know personalities, kind of like a Finding Nemo meets Shrek is mm-hmm. what my friend deemed it. Um, so he's really into film and a lot more experience in screenplays. And I kind of already have a base of the idea, the concept of the book. So kind of merging our worlds to work on it, which should be fun. Mm-hmm. So Cool. Yeah. So you, you told me earlier um, that you're a big uh, believer in like positive thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, manifesting what you want in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so for your life, I mean, what is it that you want this writing career? Like what's your ultimate goal with it? Like what's your dream job, so to speak? Mm, a dream job. At least right now, I feel like it kind of evolves as I evolve, but it, National Geographic has always been on my radar. Um, I oh, love wow. to travel. I love learning and writing about different cultures. So having a publication like that to be able to write for somewhere you, where you can travel a lot and learn a lot, and I just think National Geographic is pretty cool in general. So that's probably the publication I, I'm aiming for. And... Um, have yeah. you done any travel writing so um, far? Not for any official publications, no. I've been wanting to get into it. It's just kind of a field where I haven't quite figured out, besides pitching stories, you know, um, exactly. I haven't, I haven't got a window in there yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm working on it. And But I would still like to be able to like have a you know the kind of schedule where I can still work on my creative work and like if I'm doing other novel or short stories, because that's... I really, really enjoy that part of my day. Yeah. Have so. you ever read Bill Bryson? No, I haven't. He's a, he's a travel author, and his most famous book is A Walk in the Woods. Okay. But he takes these trips, and um, then he just kind of he journals them. He writes about like just his everyday experiences, hmm. and they're they're hilarious. I mean, A Walk in the Woods is him and his his buddy um, when they were like old and out of shape, tried to hike the entire Appalachian Trail. Oh. That's a good story. And it's about their, you know, utter failure doing that. But I mean, he has <laughs> books like, you know, traveling around Europe, going to Australia. Um, but that, that's, you, should, you should check it out. I mean, because yeah. it's, it's, he merges like travel and like, he's a great writer as well. And it's oh. very enjoyable just hearing about his stories. Okay, cool. I will definitely look that up. Yeah. Bill All right. So you mentioned you live in San Bruno. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to talk about you know, some, some of your favorite spots around there. And I know you spend a lot of time in San Francisco as well. So some of your, mm-hmm. some of your favorite spots here too. Are there any local spots that people when they're down in your, in your hood should make sure and check out? Um, <laughs> or you're like, no, <laughs> to be honest, you guys should see the face she made when I asked her that. <laughs> I don't hang out a whole lot in San Bruno. We do have a couple, couple spots. I frequent, um, Vietnam village for pho is a good spot for like cheap, good yeah. hole in the waffle. Um, West coast cafe is probably like one of the best restaurants in San Bruno, in my opinion, good Italian food. Um, but other than that, I usually, if I'm down in the peninsula, I've spent a lot of time in Pacifica and that's more just like outdoors, not necessarily for mm-hmm. dining. Um, there's some good hikes down there. Yeah. I'm over there at least once or twice a week and a lot of different coastal hikes. Um, and San Pedro mountain is a great area to hike around. I think I've done uh, Montana mountain. 
Yeah. Does that ring a bell? Montera Mountain. Montera. Yeah. That's it. I've done that one. That's that my favorite really beach right down there. If, I don't know if you went to the beach. I didn't go to the beach afterwards, but it was a great hike. Yeah. Up the mountain. It's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's actually like the the latter half of the same same mountain as San Pedro Mountain, I believe. Okay. Um so yeah, I'm over there in Pacifica a lot. And then for dining, San Mateo is like if I'm not going to the city, it's either the city or San Mateo. And I'm a big ramen fan. So they have um, Addison Ramen's pretty good and Izakai Mai for sushi. And then Grape and Grain is my favorite bar. It's like a, I've heard about that place. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wanting to check that out. It's good. Yeah, I've, we've been going there for, I mean, since they opened, I guess, for a couple of years now. Owners are really cool young guys um, and just a solid selection of really good beer and wine if you like wine. Um, they have games and it's fun. It's just like a good spot. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I recommend it. But yeah. When you're in the city, what neighborhoods do you like uh, to hang out in the most? Mm, I kind of, kind of just depends, I guess, where I end up. If I'm in, like, I like the hate. I like Toronado. I, I like area bars that have a good variety of beer. Yeah. Um. So Toronado, I used to hang in the Dog Patch a lot, and I liked like Magnolia. Um, Voodoo opened up recently, so they have some pretty good beer. I haven't been to the new, so the new Magnolia and the Dog Patch, it's pretty good. And I, I've been yeah. wanting to check it out. I love I Magnolia and the Hate. It's one of my favorite spots in the city. Yeah, I, mean, I really liked it. I was, I really like the vibe in there. I mean, the decor is beautiful. It's just like simple, but it's a really good chill spot to like. They have food is where there as well. I haven't tried mm-hmm. the food, but the cocktails were great. Beer was good, and I, it's kind of. I like places where you can like sit down, have a good drink, and have a good conversation, and it's totally that kind of spot. Um, yeah, I really like it. I'd recommend it. And then, um, where else? I'm in the Richmond. I like um, Halu over there as like that Beatles theme ramen fly- place. I really like that spot. And uh, if I venture over Beatles there. Beatles theme. So I haven't heard about this place where they just play Beatles music it's, inside or what? Yeah, it's pretty much like a Beatles soundtrack, at least when I was there and all over the walls is just all this Beatles, 60s, 70s, uh, rock posters. And yeah, you pretty much have delicious ramen and listen to Beatles. Hmm. It's pretty awesome. Okay. <laughs> Very small spot, but I really liked it. Uh, and then the buckshot is one of my favorite spots right. in the Richmond. Um, it's don't think I've been there, heard of it. Yeah. They have like ski ball and stuff, but I just okay. like it for, I just, I have more like, chill bars that have entertaining things but have to have a good dance floor and like a good vibe where you can dance so i've danced the night away there a few yeah. times <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a good spot um yeah i used to hang in the mission a lot i'm, I'm not there too often anymore but they have you know a great what's your favorite room. spots there um if it's bars it's more like gestalt uh dr teeth Mm, I used to, Laconda over there, I used, they have good food and good cocktails. We used to know a bartender over there. What about Monk's Kettle? You mentioned the beer thing. I've been there, if, I w- went there once and I, it was just a little too pricey for okay. for me, but they have a, a great selection of beer, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, those are some of them. Have you ever been to Fat Angel? No, where's that? In um, like Lower Pack Heights, Western Edition. Oh, okay. It's really close to the Fillmore. I think it's Fillmore and um, O'Farrell. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of my favorite like beer spots. Okay. They have like a ton of beer. 
very like small, quaint, neighborhoodly type place. I didn't even know it existed until a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. If you like beer, check that place out for sure. Yeah, that's great. I will. Yeah. Sure. Any other favorite spots mm-hmm. in in the city or things you like to do here? I love the Presidio. Is probably like if I'm not looking to spend any money. <laughs> yeah. What, so, what are your favorite spots in the Presidio? I've been wanting to. There's some hike you can take. It's called like Woodline. Or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know the names of them. My buddy lives over there. Yeah, but there's like giant trees in this walkway that you can like go down. I've seen pictures of it. It looks really cool. Yeah. um, I have a friend who lives over there. So we usually, I don't don't want to say the street he lives off of, but we started his street and then just kind of wander around through like the cemetery, um, through the forest. And then you pass, I think they call it like pyramid tree or something. And it's all these trees put together. That's like a pyramid. But then you wander down... um, towards Baker Beach and you end up right below the Golden Gate Bridge pretty much on the mm-hmm. beach below that. So I love that hike and um, that's, yeah, it's probably, that's probably one of my favorite things and places to hang out is the Presidio and I hope to live there sometime soon. Mm. I like that spot a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sounds like you hike a lot. I do. What's some yeah. of your favorite local hikes? Um, Pacifica is definitely my, my go-to hiking spot. So San Pedro Mountain, like I mentioned, is my my favorite. I'm there like at least once a week. Um, Maury's Point over there. It's on like Manor Beach. Small hike, but good, good views. Um, Mount Tam over in Moran is beautiful. Love that hike, especially in the winter. It's like the greenest place when it rains. It's so amazing. Yeah. Do you have any good Mount Tam hikes you can recommend? Cause I feel like there's so many. Um, I think it's called Cataract Falls. Okay. That's I've never been on that one. I've been wanting to do that one. Yeah, that's if, especially when I mean, if the rain ever gets going the again, yeah. <laughs> the waterfalls are beautiful. Um, that's the one I usually do when I go, and it's not too long. I mean, round trip maybe like two hours, but and you can I ventured up to the top, off like off the beaten pathways, but yeah, locally those are like the ones that I've done quite often. I'm looking for new ones because I've been you know I've hiked around here for so many years looking for new areas i might maybe head a little more south explore there because i never really hike down that way right but we'll see (laughs) okay yeah so let's say that you had to move away you had to move away from the bay area Area for some reason Mm -hmm. how would you spend your last day before you left uh let's see i would probably spend it most of it would be hike. It'd be a mix of hiking and dancing, I think. So, <laughs> my right. two favorite things. So, I'd probably start over. I would probably wake up early since I knew it was my last day, and go to Maury's Point, um, which is a beautiful beach that I like hanging out and kind of zenning out with the na- you know, mother nature over there. Um, do that little hike, more of just maybe like a little yoga session on the beach or something, and then head over to the Presidio with some of my hiking buddies probably hike that trail that i was mentioning i really like that one and so you get such a beautiful view of the golden gate bridge it'd be a nice Mm -hmm. send off um and i would either bring along like an ike's or mr pickle sandwich because i love dutch crunch and when i moved away i was i missed dutch crunch so much so that would definitely be on my last day food um and then i'd probably go dancing probably a buckshot i like dancing a buckshot (laughs) I'd probably end up there. What is it about dancing a buckshot that you like so much? I've just had so many good times there. My yeah. last birthday was there. And 
I just, when I'm there, there's always really hilarious, awesome people that just like aren't afraid of making a fool out of themselves mm-hmm. on that small dance floor. And it just garners a great little experience. Okay. I'm all about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that sounds like a great day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can people who want to read um, some of your work or they want to find you? Like where can people find you? Um, my website's Kimberly-Gomes, G-O-M-E-S.com. Um, and that has most of my writing stuff. I mean, definitely all my journalism and marketing stuff and some of my older creative writing stuff, but I'll get new stuff up there sooner than later. So yeah. And then my email address and all my, um, Twitter and all that jazz are on there as well. So that's where they can find me. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Kim. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, look forward to reading more of your articles and I'm looking forward to this novel <laughs> yeah, that comes out. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed my conversation with Kimberly. She's a person that's following her passion and doing what she wants with her life. And I have a lot of respect for that. I also really came to appreciate the the quiet confidence that she has. When she talks about her projects, the things she's working on and things she wants to go do, it, it really left me with no doubt that she's gonna achieve all of them. So I can't wait to read her novel. I'm sure it's gonna be great. I can't wait to read her future articles in the National Geographic. She has a lot of success in her future, and I'm glad I met her early on in her career. So you can read more about Kimberly on my website. Uh, Again, it's www.sfpeoplepodcast.com. Get on there. She'll be on the front page. Click on Episode 5, Kimberly Gomes, and get a recap of the show. Get a recap of all of her favorite spots she mentioned in San Francisco, San Mateo, and San Bruno. And then get a link to all of the references that we mentioned in the show, including her website, www.kimberly-gomes.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. The handle is at SFPeoplePodcast. And I would also really appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on iTunes. Most importantly, I value your feedback but it also helps us get a little bit more publicity on iTunes and get the show out to more people. If you have any feedback or an idea for a future show, email me. It's frank at sfpeoplepodcast.com. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People.